You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Appreciate you being here. After the Super Bowl matchup is set, we will have the Chiefs and the 49ers Sunday, February 11th. If you're in central Indiana, that will be broadcast on CBS4. Uh, some very good championship games from uh, from both the AFC and the NFC. Uh, thrilling throughout, uh, dramatic throughout, controversial perhaps uh, in terms of some Second decisions guessing. that were made. Uh, the It was beautiful fodder for armchair quarterbacks and uh, Monday morning quarterbacks uh, very much like us. And, I mean, I tweeted at the time that I, I still thought, like, you can be – uh, we're referring to the the Lions and the 49ers, of course, right now. How the Lions took a 17 point lead, and Dan Campbell stayed with his foot pressed firmly down on the gas pedal, trying his darndest to keep scoring touchdowns, and failing on a couple fourth downs. Those failures allowed the 49ers to get back in this game as they kept scoring. The Lions really stumbled, and the 49ers are are, are in the Super Bowl as just about everybody thought they would be at the start of the season, you know? It, it's funny how things come down to the two teams that most people, uh, most experts would have picked at the start of the year, but but it was certainly not for the lack of drama. So uh, so before we really get into our, our, our Colts coverage for this week, we'll talk a little Pro Bowl uh, as uh, three more Colts are going to be in the Pro Bowl games. Can't just call it the Pro Bowl. They're the Pro Bowl games now. And, and also we'll dive into uh, Colts wide receivers and running backs currently on the roster and, and elsewhere. That's kind of our topic of conversation this week. Uh, but we do start with a conference championship weekend and, and very much as we should, I think, with the 49ers-Lions game because that was the more dramatic one, more uh, more talk, uh, more one that uh, deserves a little bit more talking about. Um, I'll say it that I said at the time that I was surprised they didn't kick the field goal. Uh, but that's what Dan Campbell kind of is, uh, I think, is the is the other side uh, of the argument that uh, he's been aggressive all year. Why would he stop now? Uh, as you guys were watching uh, this NFC Championship game, uh, what what was your impression of the of the uh, decisions that went down? I would have kicked the second one. I just would have to tie the game and then put the onus back on the Niners, and they probably would have scored. That would have been a moot point, but. I, and again, I understand that he's aggressive. I understand that. What I wish that someone would have asked, maybe they did, and it wouldn't have gotten answered, is did you go for both, maybe especially the second one, because that's who you are, or because you just didn't trust your kicker? And, you know, they, they, they put out there on social media that, that Badgley was. Michael Badgley, former cult himself. Really? It wasn't like 70% from, from 40 to 48 or whatever it was. So. But then my question is, what were the, what were the percentages to you know to, to convert fourth and was it two fourth and two right as opposed to the sixty five or seventy percent kicker? So you know because all the all the analytics said it was like a flip of the coin. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but but what about how much did the fact that they simply didn't trust their kicker yeah play into it? And if that's the case, shame on them for having that kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that point, you're, you're right. And, and Matt, I'll, I'll say that if the analytics are a flip of the coin, you understand why Dan Campbell would rather put the game in the hands of Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, instead of on the foot of Michael Badgley, if it is really six to one, half dozen to the other. 
Yeah, I, it, it's it, it's such a tough call. I mean, we saw this a little bit uh, with, with Steichen uh, a couple of times this year, where it's like it's okay sometimes to take the points, and I, I know that there's there's an analytics component to it, but there's also kind of a gut feeling uh, component to it. And you know, like in, in that Baltimore game, of course, the, the 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 Colts did not get very far into Baltimore territory, so they were reserved to taking long field goals, but they but took they, those but long. They, those, but they didn't force the issue. Right, they right. didn't force the issue. And I felt like, especially, man, the Lions, uh, that fumble as well, just really killed them. And you're just like, you guys need to get something going here. You need to get some points, maybe put a little bit more pressure on the 49ers. And instead of doing that, they just kind of let the, the 49ers lap them at the end of the game. Yep. I, I, if you follow me on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports, you, you know that I disagreed with both decisions to, uh, to, to go for it. I just thought at the time, like the first one, to go up three scores before halftime, you would have had a 17-point lead. That would have been big. And then the second one, of course, to, to tie things uh, back up, as it were. And, and I, I believe you're right, Mike. I think that Badgley's conversion percentage, 40 to 48, is about 70%. And then I think it was 48-plus, or right in that range, is about 50%. So let, let's just say he makes one of the two. If he makes one of the two, you're tied up at the end of the day. You're going... Or, or if he makes the one earlier, you're winning. You're at winning, that point. and it's, again, it's three scores, and in possessions are, are fewer. Like if you're purely playing the percentages, that in that sense, like it's it just made so much sense to me in both situations to go in the situation. I love aggressive coaching, love it, love going for it on fourth down, if the situation is right. I thought in both situations it was wrong, but again, Dan Campbell's the head coach of the New York, uh, the, the New York, the Detroit Lions. I am here the uh, host of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Um, it is he, he has the right to do what he wants to do, and he brought the Lions to a place they have not been um, in forever and a day, um, one step away from the Super Bowl. Um, and they've never been to a Super Bowl before. So, uh, so there's a lot of – I know I have some good friends who are Lions fans who I've met uh, over the years and over my stops here and there and across the country, and uh, – they, they all love Dan Campbell, every one of them. Um, but, of course, in the moment, just based on the result, it's always hard to take. And the, and the Lions fans, are once again, uh, end the season with, uh, with disappointment there. What about the other side? If well, you want to say something one else thing, first. One, one thing that I disagreed with with a lot, well, a lot of people said, well, they were playing with house money. They'll be back. You don't know. Let's talk to Dan Marino about how many times he was going to get back. So, no, you, when you're there – you know, it's like it's like the Colts with fourth and two or whatever it was. You just don't know what next year is going to be, so you got to strike while it's there. Also, one last thing on that is, it, it's for every great comeback, which that was, the other team has to really, really help you. The Colts didn't lose that thirty-three to nothing lead because they did things right, and the Vikings did everything, you know, everything better. E everything better. No, no, it's because you gave them yes x number of helps. So, but yeah, it was, I, 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 it got to have all those, was it 30,000 people mm. at the stadium in Detroit? Oh yeah, brutal. yeah wow. Field. Just brutal in, in, in that, in that sense. Yeah. What about the other side? The, uh, the Chiefs and, and, and the Ravens, Ravens were playing as hot as anybody, uh, going into this game. And then the Chiefs defense, I know so much attention's on the offense and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, as it should be. Kelsey had himself one heck of a day and a heck of a first half, especially, but um, but it was the defense really that that shut down Lamar Jackson and and the offense and really very much limited what they were able to do. And now the Chiefs are going back once again to the Super Bowl. What 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 struck me the most is that Lamar Jackson is going to win a second MVP, mm -hmm. 
And right now, his career, for better or for worse, is so much like Peyton Manning's as far as MVPs and, and not quite there, not quite getting it done in the playoffs. It took Peyton, gosh, was it five or six years? A long time. Was his first playoff win in twenty or 2003, Three, I think it was. Yeah. So five years in, uh, and again, and until they, and until Lamar Jackson changes the the, the script, that's that's what's going to follow him. Mm-hmm. Is hey, great numbers, but what do you do when it really matters? And and anybody that bets against Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you're just stupid. <laughs> I mean, how much? How much? And again, we how many times during the second half of the season had people buried the Chiefs mm-hmm. because of lack of this and receivers and all this, and here they are. It, it's funny. Last week, right here on this Colts Blue Zone podcast, when we gave our predictions for the game, I said I was rolling with the Ravens because of how they'd played, but I didn't want to bet against Mahomes. Like, yeah, and and that's that's how it is now. He's reached that level, as as you said, chap. That do you bet against him? No. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Like he's been there before. He's uh, he's achieved it before. He's done it before. Why, why would you think anything else is going to happen right now? It's that it's Brady level in the playoffs yes. that that you you just can't expect him to do ever anything else. And how many times was was Brady buried throughout his career and still came back to win another two? Well, they got beat that one Super year Bowls. like the second or third week. Mm-hmm. Was it forty eight or fifty to nothing? And they were like one in three on the year, right. and everyone was calling for his head and saying, "Should Garoppolo start or whoever the heck was their backup at the time?" It was probably Garoppolo. And it, and it wasn't Brady that said it, but another quarterback just said relax yes well another and brady inside was saying relax we got this yep. and more times than not they they had this R- remarkable what the chiefs have done and um and and, and matt to to see uh patrick mahomes once again top of the afc he's there until someone can knock him off absolutely and and so much has been made of the the chiefs and their receivers not being able to and they did not have like the most fantastic offensive game on the face of the earth this was a one that was carried by the defense but the the offense did what it needed to do in this game that last throw from mahomes to valdez scantling it was remarkable i'm remarkable because that just that closed the door on falling back Mm -hmm. falling back it was not like it was a tough catch and this guy who has had his share of problems this year made that big play in that big moment. Uh, I'll add before we move on the the four. Uh, we're we're not talking about Colts tight ends this week. We might get into them next week or the week after. But the four teams here at the at the end of the year, their their tight ends: Travis Kelsey, uh, Hall of Famer eventually; Mark Andrews, one of the best in the league; Sam Laporta, the best rookie tight end in the league, had himself a tremendous season. Is he from Detroit. Iowa. He went to Iowa. They yeah, grew, they tight end factory. They, they grew tight they and George Kittle, another another Iowa a tight end there. Four pretty darn good tight ends there on these last four teams uh, that are still alive in the playoffs. And we know the Colts value tight ends. They do. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very – and that'll be a nice show we have right. on – you know, because I've seen a couple of mock drafts have t- had them taking the kid from uh, – Georgia. That'd be fantastic if he drops that far, Brock Bowers. Yeah, we'll get into tight ends in a future podcast. Uh, like I said, today we're doing wide receivers, running backs in a little bit. First, we'll touch on news around the league. The Falcons have hired Raheem Morris as their new head coach after uh, interviewing Bill Belichick, as uh, Matt points out here in our rundown, about 75 times, give or take uh, one or two. But it's a second chance at a head coaching job for Morris. He coached Tampa Bay for a couple seasons before he was fired uh, in 2001. He was very young when he got that job, 33 years old. And that doesn't often work out. That's why, you know, Sean McVay getting a head coaching job at 30 years old or however old he was is the the outlier um, for for coaches who get the job quite that early in in their careers. And Morris actually had been the 
interim head coach, I believe it was, of the Falcons um, and before he got that job with Tampa Bay. I believe that's the order it came right. in. That's how he got that job, kind of. He got that experience, and then, uh, then Tampa said, hey, we'll try this guy, and it didn't work. But Morris has been very good as a, uh, as a what's it called, as a uh, defensive coordinator uh, out in uh, L.A. with the Rams for the past couple years um, and had been interviewed, I believe, for the Colts job uh, last year. Chad. Everybody was, wondering... was interviewed for the Colts uh, that's, job. That's a fair, fair point. Yeah. Uh, but, they interviewed but, me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Low key didn't that. get reported out much in the media. Zoom. Mine was a Zoom. Oh. <laughs> they, they didn't fly me in from Beach Grove. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, uh, but, but Raheem Morris gets the job. Um, it, it, it kind of leaves Bill Belichick on the outside looking in, chap, right now. The only two openings left are the Washington Commanders and Seattle Seahawks as we tape this podcast. Which he's been linked to neither one. No, he Did hasn't. he only interview with uh, The only uh, one I'm aware Atlanta. of. Uh, yeah, and and well, he's not necessarily linked to the Dallas Cowboys, but Jerry Jones, of course, comes out at the uh, at the Senior Bowl the other can, day and I says, can "I can work with him. I, I can, can see us working together." Absolutely. What's yeah. Mike McCarthy think? I mean, really? Right? Come on. Like, I know Jerry likes to talk, but come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. I just, I, it's it's from watching how you know the access we have covering the Colts and our routines and post game and all this. I think it'd be kind of cool to have an owner, not necessarily Ursay. But talk, you know, once a month or whatever. Jerry's there. He's, he's got his own radio show. Yep. And, and they have the Dallas Papers have to have a guy or two after every game. That's where they go. They don't go to the locker room. They go to Jerry. Who cares about the locker room? Right. And, and how you're a head coach. I was going to say GM, but there's no GM. But the head coach, how you respond to things, not knowing what the boss is saying in the corridor down the way. I It's... That's why I just wonder how he and Belichick would ever coexist because these are two mega alpha dogs. And I, I'm i wondering if that's why he, that Belichick was not the guy in Atlanta that he wanted more, not necessarily money, but more control. Not more, but all control. But you know, like, like we've got on here, we've got two other spots open and there's you know Mike Vrabel still out there. Mm-hmm. You know, what's up with him? Uh, it'd be very interesting to see what these last two spots go to. And, of course, Frank Reich's still out there. Not that uh, I've heard his name linked with anything uh, either there right Even now. Even coordinator-wise. No, no, haven't heard that yet. That kind of depends on the coaches and, and who goes where and all that right. stuff. Other, but, other than a small subset of Philadelphia Eagles fans uh, advocating for him to come back as yes. offensive coordinator, I've not heard anything about Frank How Reich. awkward would that be? <laughs> I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but wow. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be something different. I do want to correct something real quick about uh, Raheem Morris. He got the interim head coaching job in Atlanta after his time as head coach in okay. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, he had the job back in 2009. He was with the Falcons between 2015 and 2020 okay. um, and, and then kind of filled in after Dan Quinn was fired after starting the season 0-5. Anyway, um, so yeah, the, the commander's job should be attractive because they have a top pick there in the in the draft. They're going to get a, a nice quarterback to, to build around for the future, you would imagine, there, or a boatload of picks if they want to kick the can down the road and uh and go with someone else in the future so uh then the seahawks like i said uh so a team that was uh, right on the cusp of the uh, of the playoff race is pete uh, carroll still an advisor on that uh he's got to be yeah exactly allegedly so, yeah, yeah. maybe that's why there's no coach in there yet right yeah yeah right pete and pete just steps right back in all of a sudden no uh that's probably not going to happen colts uh three colts added to the pro bowl games roster um, we already knew that Quentin Nelson was a selection before this. Uh, the fill-in. He's six for six now, right? He is, yes. Six years, six Pro Bowls. Amazing. Yes, it is. 
Um, and joining him, the first two announced were Ryan Kelly and DeForest Buckner. They were Pro Bowl alternates. We already knew that. They're going to fill in for uh, Chiefs players Creed Humphrey and Chris Jones, who, of course, will be slightly busy in the coming weeks as they get prepared for the Super Bowl. And then how about it? Your Pro Bowl quarterback. Didn't have him on my bingo card. For the Indianapolis Colts, Gardner Minshew himself. Unreal. And it's, it's a funny way how it happened. Like, I was looking yesterday when the announcement came on on the NFL's website. And they fill in. They tell you there, everyone, like, who they're filling in for. And for Gardner Minshew, it said TBA. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> what are we doing? We're just throwing him in for the heck of it that he gets to go in to the, to the, to the Pro Bowl because. But, hey, we're, we're not complaining. Uh, Gardner's certainly not complaining. He can call himself a Pro Bowler for the rest of his career it's on, now. It's on there. That, you know, they, they don't remove that. Exactly. And he was not listed as an alternate at first. Uh, there were a bunch of other quarterbacks. There were like six Colts that were listed as alternates. Yes, there were. Yeah, because uh, Pitt and, and mm-hmm. Zaire Franklin also were, were alternates, if I recall. Zaire still deserves that spot, let me mm-hmm. tell you yeah, about he put, that. He put that out on social media. And he like, let everybody uh, know. Exactly. He, he knew exactly what he, he thought. And he was 100% correct as well. Yes, we'll, 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 we'll include that. But now Gardner Minshew is, is a quarterback going to the uh, Pro Bowl games after everyone and their mom apparently is just saying, nah, I can't make it. So whether it's Patrick Mahomes going to the Super Bowl, Lamar Jackson stepping aside, uh, whether it's Josh Allen, for whatever the heck reason, whether it's um, who else was there? Trevor Lawrence with and, and uh, his think, injury coming yeah, in. And the I year. think Justin Herbert as well. Justin Herbert as well, for, for some reason, if he was injured near the end of the year. Uh, CJ Stroud gets a spot there in, in the Pro Bowl uh, games as well as a fill in for, uh, for either Mahomes or Jackson or whoever. Uh, well, however, however it works. Yeah, with the, work. both of those guys stepping, uh, stepping down. So, but this might, chap, not quite be at the same level as Tyler Huntley getting a Pro Bowl nod for five starts uh, a couple years ago. But, uh, but to say that Gardner Minshew had a Pro Bowl season still kind of makes me shake my head a little bit and be like, all right, if, that, if, that's, if that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's, again, you don't know the price. And, and more and more, the Pro Bowl has just lost its luster of, of far, as far as what it means. And and when we do the the Pro Football Hall of Fame, our selection meeting, Pro Bowl or, or All Pro means a zillion times more than a Pro Bowl. I, I remember back in the day, a, a Miami Dolphins linebacker, John Offerdahl, mm-hmm. misses the first like eleven games of the season with a torn pec or something, and he makes a Pro Bowl because it because it was so much on name value. It's too bad, but hey, you're on there, and it's you know looking at Colts media guide. It's got all pros, it's got Pro Bowls, and mm-hmm. you're up there. And once you're there, it's you know in five years they really want to ask how did he get there. It's just right. he made the Pro Bowl in 2023. And now Gardner Minshew, Matt, a free agent this offseason, can say, hey, I'm a Pro Bowl quarterback. J- just imagine the resume if it had been Pro Bowl playoff quarterback as yeah, well. Exactly. I, I so, mean, so now, really. So now I think less of Shane Sykin that he couldn't get this team past Houston with a Pro Bowl quarterback. Exactly. Come on, Shane. What the heck's going on here? Gracious sakes alive. But we will see exactly uh, what... Will you watch any of the Pro Bowl stuff? I highly doubt it. I will probably see clips on Twitter, and that's about it. I don't think I'll tune in. I just... It's it, it's it's crazy. Everybody's been complaining and piling on about how bad it is, and, and it's always... It'll draw more than an NBA game. The, honestly, it will. But the last memorable moment I have from the Pro Bowl is when Sean Taylor almost killed Brian Mormon like 20 years ago, however long that was. 
Uh, so, I mean, that, that speaks to, it, it's not, like, it's interesting at the time, but it doesn't have any lasting impact, it seems like. Well, and it's the one all-star game that you just can't play it because, yeah. because it's yeah, physical. It's, and, and, these guys, and, and that's where it got to be to where they had to go to flag football and, and all these skill tests because players, they got to the point that they weren't even doing, they weren't even doing anything because they weren't going to put themselves mm -hmm. in harm's way, which I understand. Yep. And for defensive linemen and offensive linemen, it's it's the most farcical of farces. They stand that, that up and they see. sort of push each other. And yeah. You can't do anything. Right. Like, well, and then, you, you know, I mean, gosh, in the course of a normal game, a guy gets pushed over onto the back of your leg and, and then it's a it's a grievous injury. And, and even in a, in a Pro Bowl, something like that could just accidentally happen with this sport just the they way it is. They had a guy back in the day, again, I always date myself, but Buffalo had a running back named Robert Edwards. And, yep. and back in the Pro Bowl, they, they had beach football. And he tore every ligament. I don't, I'm not sure he ever played again. It was at the Pro Bowl, and he tore every ligament in his knee. I think he did come back, but he was never even remotely close he was to a, the well, same. Back then, the Pro Bowl, you had to really earn it. Yeah, He had a great year, good yep. year, and it was a Awful injury. That was the watershed moment of turning the Pro Bowl kind of on its head from what it was to what it is now. I, I promise that was it, seeing the Robert Edwards injury in beach football, right. nevertheless, to, uh, to completely change a young, dynamic player. Like I said, I think he was a rookie that year. I'm 99% positive he, may have he was been. a rookie. And, uh, and so now... Nobody cares. Well, nobody tried. Nobody uh, I, I did watch, uh, because I was curious, I, I hadn't watched the Pro Bowl for, for years, and my fondest memory is probably idiot liquored up kicker who went off and ran his mouth. What a great memory. Uh, well, I'm, just, to, I'm going to throw a touchdown to Jerry Rice. <laughs> exactly. And, but, but I did watch uh, last year because it was the first time they'd, they'd done the format, and you had Eli and Peyton Manning mic'd up because they were the respective team's coaches, and you know, there was some fun little game gamesmanship and stuff like that. But as far as a sporting event goes, mm -hmm. uh, not not high entertainment value. No, instead, we will see kick-tack-toe. Uh, we'll see dodgeball. We'll see best catch. We'll see so many other competitions yeah, out there. They're doing a long snapping trick competition oh. as well. Might be kind of interesting. And, and then they will have the, the championship Pro Bowl games championship is the Sunday game, and that's the the flag football game. Well, we there's we, got to be something else on to, we can watch. We watch with bated breath as to as to what comes out. I'm sure there'll be some fantastic uh, t uh, television uh, programming on Fox 59 and CBS 4. So you can you can always check out what what's going on there if you're if you're living in Central Indiana. Let's get to our main topic of this Colts Blue Zone podcast. We're going down position by position, kind of wrapping up what the um, what the Colts got from certain positions throughout this past season and analyzing where they stand as this uh, 2024 offseason is set to begin. We still have two months or a month and a half, really, until free agency begins. That's in on March 13th. One week before that, March 5th is when teams, I believe, or maybe that's the last date. That's yeah, the it's last, the last date. date. Excuse me, the first date. Thank you, Matt. Um, it's February 20th. Uh, so like three weeks from us today, as we tape this podcast, is when clubs can start to designate franchise or transition players. And that could be a significant date for our current topic of discussion today, at least half of it, with wide receivers 
and also Colts running backs uh, looking ahead for them I mean, right they now. Might, they might want to franchise Zach Moss? Exactly, yeah. I don't know who else I'd be talking about. Um, so uh, looking at the wide receivers first, because that's the one that is going to be at least the most focused for the next three weeks um, in terms of the Colts in the offseason, about their top receiver in Michael Pittman Jr. This year, Pitt had career highs in receptions, 109 yards, 1,152. He also added four touchdowns and a 10.6 yards per catch average. He is a free agent. After that, the two primary wide receivers receiving receiving wide receivers receiving passes or as, 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 as they want to do exactly as one does uh josh downs the rookie had 68 catches for 771 yards two touchdowns averaged 11.3 per catch and also alec pierce 32 catches uh, he had two touchdowns averaged 16.1 um uh yards per catch and led all receivers uh alec pierce did with over 1,000 snaps who, who, who was their number four receiver do you remember catches I would imagine it was Isaiah McKenzie. Yep, 11. Yes, 11. 11. So it is a big drop down after those top three. And that's understandably so. You get down to your fourth receiver, typically across the NFL, you're not going to get too many catches. I want more than 11. Right, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But you also you'd have You'd like to have ends. somebody with, what, maybe 25 catches, yeah. something along yeah. those lines? Yeah. Right. You also have tight ends to need balls. You True. need to have running backs that need balls. And these so. guys use tight ends a bunch, yeah. which we'll get to in a week right. or two. Right, So, so, So I understand why there's that big drop-off, at least. You could still want more, perhaps, but I understand why that, that drop-off is there. Well, in the phrase you just used, want more. That that will be has to be bandied about when you talk about Michael Pittman. You know, it, I will be beyond stunned if he's not back next year. The question is, is it the franchise tag, which is roughly twenty-one million, or is it going to be one of those twenty-two to twenty-five million dollar a year contracts? And I, I think it's a very valid argument. I was looking in. He's had the last two years, his first two years, he averaged 12-9 and 12-6, I think it was. 12-6 mm-hmm. and 12-3. The last two years, with over 200 catches, he's averaged 9.9 per catch. That's just not what you want. From your number one wide receiver that you're paying right. $20 million plus to. Right, and what in the internal discussion that they need to have and they will have is is that a function of him being, this is who he is? Or is this what we have reduced him to with our quarterbacks? As you mentioned, you know, the, the 27-7 guy, he averaged 12 and a half yards a catch. You got to listen to that podcast last week, people. If you didn't, I by can't. the way, go all the way to the end, the last five, six minutes of it. Very important discussion that we had. It's, it's him whose name I won't mention, okay? Because yeah. you, you led Cart, led, uh, led Michael Pittman to probably his yes. best season. Well, and, and but also so did Philip Rivers. I'll mention his name. Yes, you can. But but it, so what you have to decide is ha- have we restricted him, or is this who he is? And if this is who he is, I don't know that it matters because you got to pay him because mm-hmm. you've done. There's nothing in the pipeline to say. Well, you know. If we let him go, we'll do. If if you could, if you let him go, but you knew you could get T. Higgins, would you do it? I don't know that I would. Mm-hmm. First, you're going to pay. You're going to pay him the same same amount of money. You may pay him more, if not more. You right. may pay him more because he is a free agent, and it's and there there will be bidders. So, to me, if you're going to bring in one of those guys, it's going to be twenty five million. Mm-hmm. So with Pittman, and, and you don't, you, you think you know, but you don't know. With Pittman, you know what you got. 
And I think one of the driving themes of Pittman in these discussions is he is, and we've talked about this, he is exactly the kind of player that Ballard wants on this roster. He's, he brings everything, except, okay, except the deep threat, but I mean, so, so being a player, he, he's tough, almost to the, to the edge of being too aggressive. We've seen that, but I'd, you know, that's fine. But he, 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 he answers the bell. He gets the tough catches. He gets lit up and he gets up. So it, it's, I think this is such a fascinating player to talk about. And the one, the one quote that sticks in my mind is because, you know, th- this is a position that Ballard has not invested in over the top. Yeah, was it like three second-round picks they've done, going back to Paris Campbell? And, and, but they've never paid the big money. I mean, even remotely big money. But when we talked about it in January and, you know, the, the, the receiver market came up, he said, well, the market is what it is. And if if you got to pay $4 a gallon for gas, then that's what you got to pay. So I think he's braced himself for what it might cost to go long term. Yeah, and, and for Pittman or for any one of these young receivers like T. Higgins, you brought up uh, Gabe Davis, another one who's reaching free agency. But he's been uh, a two. He's been a two. He has Davis. been like he's different than like he's not uh, not at the same level as either. Is Justin Jefferson going to be a free agent? Um, well, I doubt that the the Vikings may uh, oh, he, allow he's that got, to happen. Uh, uh, Matt's got these on there. Yeah, they're and on the, the problem back here. when you look at these lists now is eighty percent of these guys aren't going to hit the market. Right, most of, uh, right. a lot of them are going to get Mike uh, Evans. franchise tagged. Yeah, Mike Evans. He said, is a like, good is one. it ten straight thousand, thousand yard seasons? Ludicrous, it's unbelievable. Yeah. He averaged fifteen point nine yards per catch this year at thirty years old. <sighs> Mike Evans, just like you, you, I, I think that the average NFL fan knows Mike Evans is a really good player. I don't think they realize they how productive it. he has been, like how really super productive he has been. One catch he, he made in the playoffs, so down by the goal line, amazing. Yeah, like he's and he, he did it with Baker Mayfield this year, helped Baker to have his best season as a pro. Before that, it was Tom Brady. You can understand, obviously, production under Brady. Before that, it was Jameis Winston. Um, Winston, well, like I, I've said here on this podcast that Winston and Bruce Arians is is a very unique combination in the fact that they both just want to go air and it then, out, and, Aaron, and who Aaron's, cares? Then Arians sounds surprised that he throws interceptions. Exactly. Well, that, that, you, you set him up to do that. And I've said, yeah, Jameis, that, that's like he needs a coach to reel him back, not to tell him to chuck it down. I, I, I've known him since his early college days. And he like it, it, anyway. We we don't need to analyze Jameis Winston here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Uh, we might have last year when we were talking about potential but Mike quarterbacks Evans the year 30. before, but not anymore. Yeah, exactly. Mike Evans. Are you going to give him twenty five million at age thirty? I I mean I don't know. I think there are a lot of worse wide receivers out there though. At the same po- at at the same time, Calvin Ridley, Gabe yeah, Davis, Calvin Ridley's an intriguing there. Beckham, uh, yeah, no, Tyler no, Boyd, Tyler Boyd, and, and one of those guys, either Higgins or Boyd. Are going to be there because mm-hmm. they cannot pick because they got to pay Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase Chase uh, next year. Yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So, but no, it's somebody. I think it, I think what's going to happen, what needs to happen, is you retain Pittman, however you want to do it. Yep. But then you still need to find right a guy, whether mm-hmm. it's a whether it's a, one of these second tier free agents. Yes, a draft pick, I guess, but I'd rather have a. I'd rather have a veteran guy as mm-hmm. my second or third guy. Mm-hmm. You have a young guy right now in Josh Downs and another in Alec Pierce no, Alec that you're Pierce really trying to two years. Exactly, that you're trying to develop. And Pierce, you could argue, has been incredibly limited in his development the past two years because what he does best, the Colts quarterbacks have not done well. 
right. the past couple of years. And that's why, again, you go back to Michael Pittman and what his uh, yards per catch has done these past two years, averaging less than 10 yards per catch over the last two years combined. Well, it's because you've had Matt Ryan at the end of his career throwing him the ball, and it's because you've had Gardner Minshew throwing him the ball, who doesn't have the best deep ball out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL. Now he's had a couple pretty ones to Alec Pierce. I'm not saying he can't throw it deep, but I am saying he does not do that often. And that is not part of his strength as a quarterback, his big strength. I don't know. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback, though. So, so maybe he does everything better than, than we think he does. Um, I'm not changing my uh, opinion of Gardner Minshew. I, no. But, but still. But, but, but with Michael Pittman, um, let's, let's talk about what the Colts could do. We have the option. The Colts have the option of, of franchise tagging him. And that would be, like you said, somewhere between 21 and $23 million, I think. I think, it's, I think it's 21.7. Okay. But, but. So there we go. $21.7 million for just this year. And that's a hard number for you. You get it. If they do that, they get him for one more year. And then after that, you can franchise tag him again, but that number goes up higher for that second year. Uh, a good couple million dollars. And then if you I'm want to... I'm not sure if it's 120% or, or there... Because it, it's... One thing people need to realize, and I had to ch- look it up, the franchise number for these tags, it, it's the average of the top five in the position over the last five years. Right. That's just so you don't have a Tyreek Hill thing come in and just blow, you know, just spike, spike the market. So, uh, and one thing that you might get to, so I'll just beat you to it, is if you franchise him, we need to check and see when he needs to be here. Because I don't think they see him on OTAs, and I, I just don't. No, I doubt it. I just don't. Now, maybe he – no, I just don't th- – I, I think you, you see him at the end of training camp or mm-hmm. after they break camp. Yep. And, again, that what that does to your relationship with your quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who needs reps with him, uh, that that is not good, I would say, in, in that light. But but here's the deal: if you're the Colts, who else is out there as your number one? Like who else is your go-to guy? I like Josh Downs and I like Alec Pierce. But neither one is remotely no remotely a one. This neither. is not like T.Y. Hilton and maybe no that they are who they are. And if you if you really want to go elsewhere, Mike Evans is a number one. But a if he gets away from Tampa Bay, I would be stunned. Like, they're going to either franchise him or get him set to a deal. Um, who else here could be a number one receiver? Maybe Calvin Ridley? Maybe. Uh, maybe T. Higgins? Maybe. Maybe he just looks really good because he's... Because he's got so much uh, around him and he's got a great quarterback exactly. behind him as well. That's very possible. I, and like, and, and you worry know. about that with uh, with Gabe Davis, too. Because yeah. he's got Josh Allen and he's got Stefan Diggs. So if you're going to invest in someone... Why not invest in the guy who already has some experience with Anthony Richardson, who has shown earlier in his career with quarterbacks that have better arms that he can be somewhat of a 12, 13 yards per catch guy and be your number one and say the last two years, well, he was just kind of limited in what he could do. We limited him. So then, right. so then your, your decision becomes, do you franchise, tag him, or try to sign him? And obviously the Colts want to sign him, I think. Like Chris Ballard wants to sign he, him to a long-term said, he said, deal. Yeah, well, I realize sure. we, can, we can use a tag. I think he even said, said it's, it's a, a tool, tool, is what he said. And it may, it's sort of, I don't know whether he said it or implied it. It's something we don't want to do. But I, I, I keep thinking that a long-term deal for, for, for Pittman, 22, 23, mm-hmm. whatever. Now Pittman's got to be 
reasonable. Well, whatever reasonable is in right, free agency. Right, right. He, he, he can't come. If, I, I don't think he gets 25 from these guys. I just don't. Uh, and, and if he pushes it, then, then they'll, franchi- then they'll, they'll, they'll tag franchise him. tag him, yeah. But I, I just, again, I think if you can get him for that reasonable $23 million, I don't know. It's, and, and I guess reasonable is just both sides negotiating in good faith. You the, know, the top 10 receivers, the average is about $20 million. And And I would argue, I could argue that he's probably not top 10. I could probably find 10 receivers that I would take just because of what the total package and all this. Mm-hmm. But he's right there, mm-hmm. and it's gonna cost you more to let him walk and bring in whoever's left at the top of the list and say whoever's there, that's our guy, and we're gonna overpay because you're gonna you're, you're gonna, gonna have to you're gonna right. overpay right. So, but and again, it's it's so much better, and I I know Ballard believes it's it's so much better to reinvest in your own, and he's done it time after time. A couple times hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. But you know the guy. You've had him in your building for four years, and you, you you can do your homework. You can vet these free agents. But first of all, if a, if a team lets one of these guys off in, into the market, well, why? You know, wh- why does Tampa let Mike Evans get out there? And maybe they just don't want to pay that kind of money. I don't know. But it's just so much. I guess safer is the word to reinvest a lot of money in your own. So if you look at the other side of this equation, not the Colts, but from Michael Pittman's point of view, Pittman would love nothing more than to become a true free agent and to go out did, there. Did you get that drift from him when we talked to him at the end of the year? Yes, I did. And I don't think it was anything against the Colts as an no. organization or anything. He doesn't hate being here. He doesn't have any vitriol towards Chris Ballard or Shane Steichen. It was just that you look around the league and you see what wide receivers get paid. It would be prime opportunity for him right now as a how old is he 25 26 in that range 26 year old in the prime of his career to go out and have absolutely no holds barred say which team wants me who wants to pay me more it sets himself up beautifully for the future in his career he meant he's going to get paid whatever exactly he did mention i've got he said he said i owe it to myself to do the due diligence to see what the best fit he's not going to go to some team that's got nothing at quarterback. He's not. Right. Uh, he understands, but he's as – the times we've talked to him in groups, I've had a chance to talk to him through two or three times, one-on-one, just by ourselves. He's a businessman. He, he, he's a competitor. He know he knew, he knew when we he had the number wrong because we used it wrong one time. He said, you know, I, I know the franchise tag's $23 million. Well, he read that. I mean, he, he knows. So and good for him. Good for him. Every player, their goal needs to be that first free agent contract. Mm-hmm. That's the one that sets you up. Uh, and and if he does it right, he'll get another one at age thirty-one or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, but no, he he made it very clear that hey, I really do like it here. But mm-hmm. and if anyone thinks that Michael Pittman's going to give these guys a hometown discount. Mm-mm. You are delusional. Absolutely not. And, and what's possible, Matt, you can franchise tag a player, basically, if you're a team, and say he's under contract, and t- when he signs it, of course, for $21 million or $21.7 million. And then you can spend the next however long, I think it's into June or July, is when the final deadline is for renegotiating the long-term contract uh, with that player. So then, at that point, if you're the Colts, if you can't come to a deal with him, 
the best possible solution might be to franchise tag him so he can't go elsewhere and get a deal yeah, elsewhere. Because you don't want to hit the open market because then you're going to be in and a your situation where your number is going to go way up. Yeah. You know, it's going to inflate at two, three, four million dollars a year. Right. So if you franchise tag him there at the end of February, he can't talk to other teams. And so you get the next couple months uh, through July, so the next five months to, to come to some kind of long-term deal. And if you don't, well, then it's the franchise tag. It's one year. That's what you get. And you have to play on that tag or you don't play at all, as we've seen from some players in the past uh, that uh, that happen. So so that's that's where the Colts stand with their number one. I think receiver. I think if, if Pittman's reasonable and the Colts are, there's got to be a notch or two above reasonable. Then I think it gets done. But again, if he comes in and, and his baseline's twenty five million, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. So we'll see exactly what that is uh, over the uh, over the coming weeks. Like I said, three weeks now until uh, the first day the teams can franchise tag players. The Colts have not franchise tagged a player since Pat McAfee, who absolutely loved that uh, a couple years ago, way back. You'll you'll hear Pat talk about that from time to time uh, on his uh, programming wherever he is. Um, but was the time before that Edron? Might have been. They franchised Edron in 2005, I think it was. Mm-hmm. That was way back before the differences of rookie contracts, and he right. was already quite well, a few years he, into he his He had like a seven-year contract yeah. as a rookie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see. Josh Downs, Alec Pierce, those are your other two receivers right now. I, let, let's, let's, let's talk Downs first since he was the second most productive wide receiver. Um, pretty good rookie year, 68 catches. Uh, he had 11 yards per catch. I rookie that's record, than, rookie that, record yep. uh, for the Colts. That's better than Catches. Pittman had in terms of average. Uh, had a couple of big third down plays. Um, he was reliable underneath. Uh, he was injured from time to time, so that even took down his We're gonna, level of production. I think we find out that you know he was more dinged up than what than what they let on, which is uh, happens a lot of times. So that's usually the case, isn't yes. it? I just got a uh, ESPN breaking news alert, by the way, from Adam Schefter on my phone. The Seahawks are expected to hire Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their new coach. So there you go. Another defensive guy like Raheem Morris. And then uh, there was one. Yep, exactly. Now there's one. It's it's the Washington Commanders. We'll see uh, We'll see where they go. But, but anyway, um, Downs really eagerly anticipating seeing what he can do next year. Um, I think with a full season with Anthony Richardson, I think – his level of production might go down, honestly. Like if you if you look at what Gardner Minshew could do well and what Richardson does well, Richardson's a better downfield passer. He needs to work. He needs to get on the same page, especially in the first eight games of the season. I think his production could be limited with Josh Downs because he throws it deep better than he throws it short. Yeah. Yeah. And the intermediate and, stuff is not his strength. Exactly. Right now. Exactly. And, and and that's not so that's not a terrible thing. I think if you come into next year and Josh Downs isn't doing at the start of the year what he did last year, I don't think that's reason to freak out about uh, about his future and his ability because I do think it could take some time for him and Richardson to truly get on the same page and start clicking. Um, it's much much better I think for Alec Pierce who uh, who's going to have a quarterback who can throw it 70 yards from from his knees, you know, um, and uh, he'll, as long as he gets protection back there, if he's looking for him, uh, Pierce might have a chance to go get it uh, in a one-on-one situation deep. But, uh, Chap, based on those two guys, uh, what do you think their uh, their future is uh, in the works for for, uh, for the future with Anthony Richardson at quarterback? I think Pierce has to be really excited. Same with position coach Reggie Wayne. I think it drove him crazy that they didn't take more shots. Uh, I was talking to Pierce at, on on exit day, and I said, I said, roughly how many times were you wide open 
He said, oh, I don't know, 10, 11. And just think if they hit four of those. I mean, the shock plays. And that's what was, I think, frustrating from from a lot of people's points of view. Is they, And there were a couple times that, that, that Pierce is, is open and Minshew is still in the pocket. It's not like he's running around. Sometimes you see receivers wide open and the quarterback's running around while he didn't see you because he's, you know. Running for his life. Yeah, he's two guys chasing after him right now. So I, I do think, and no player in off the top of my head will have more scrutiny on him going into the next season than Alec Pierce. You know, so people are already throwing around the bust, the bust description, which I'm not there yet because I, I do think that while Pittman was really limited by this passing game, Pierce really was. Because I don't want to call him a one-trick pony, but that that's his game, is going deep and chasing balls and all that. And, and Downs, maybe his catches go down a little bit, but maybe his yards per catch go up. Possible, yeah. Because I think he showed us some run after the catch things. And if you can get the outside working and find that tight end who's more consistent. I mean, these guys had tight ends of the week. It seemed like every other mm-hmm. week, and, and have a have a legitimate threat downfield. And oh, by the way, then you have Jonathan Taylor and whoever running back number two is. Mm-hmm. I think Pierce and Downs could see a bump next year. Yeah, Downs could also be a good break the pocket guy when Richardson gets flushed out. Like he's on the short route, he's looking back, so he could be looking back in the backfield quite a bit if he's on some more shorter routes. And he sees Anthony Richardson break out to the side, so he breaks away immediately from his uh, his. Um, his coverage guy, whoever it might be. So so I could be wrong when I say he takes a step back at the start of next year, which right now I might expect. But at, at that, at the same, like just thinking about it in a slightly different way, maybe he does get that bump, especially in terms of yards per catch. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts about those two guys, Downs and, uh, and Pierce, looking ahead to next year? I was really excited when they, when they picked Downs. I thought he'd be a really good receiver. And then he has a, a certain savviness out there in the receiving game that uh, kind of uh, veterans of, of the game sometimes display. So I, I really like that from downs uh, I think your point's good on that as far as maybe not getting at those intermediate routes as much because that is uh, the bread and butter of Minshew but one thing that we did see a lot in training camp and early in the season was that yeah Josh Downs was a safety blanket for Minshew but he was also a safety blanket a lot of times uh, for Richardson when mm-hmm. he was in so we'll just kind of see how that develops I really hope that Alec Pierce can have a breakout year next season. Uh, It's been kind of a tough haul for him because he's been kind of on a quarterback carousel. You know, it's Sam Ellinger one week. It was Nick Foles. It was Matt Ryan. And then we go to Garden Minshew. None of these guys who play to his strengths. And I know one-trick pony and and that sort of thing, but the guy likes to get downfield and get that ball up there and get it to him. And he just has not been able to play to the strength of his game, which Anthony Richardson will allow him to do. So, but – I, I tell you what, outside of those three guys, looking at the wide receiving core and some of those other names that are on there, man. They won't be here next it, year. It, it <laughs> is essential for them to make sure that they get Pittman locked down because if they don't, it's it's pretty rough. Isaiah McKenzie, 11 catches, 82 yards, averaged 7.5 yards per catch. And then DJ Montgomery in very limited action saw three receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, averaged 18.7 yards per catch. In a, Got to use him more. Exactly. Very limited action. Uh, also on the active roster, Sir Pras- practice squad or injured list, Ashton Doolin, if you look, remember back to the start of last year, uh, was uh, he is still under contract for this coming season. Uh, what do you have, an ACL? 
I believe it was an ACL. So he got lost at the start of the year. Special teams ace, also uh, time to time. Dave's breakout candidate for 2021 or whatever it was a couple years ago, maybe 2022, never did happen. Uh, but I always remember that here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Amari Rogers, practice squad. He's no longer listed on the team's website, though. So maybe his contract did expire with the team. Uh, Juwan Winfrey, Terrell Bynum, Tyree Cleveland, Ethan Fernea, who made it to the active roster at the end of this uh, this year, played a couple snaps even. And he's been uh, just a, a, a training camp. Uh, body and then practice squad body for the past couple years uh, so we've seen him running around quite a bit but uh, but actually to play on the active roster get two snaps uh, after a couple years of really doing yeoman's work uh, and uh, got to be got to be rewarding for him at least just to see the field but uh, in terms of a, a player who's going to be a meaningful contributor None of those guys. Uh, at, at A couple of guys will be back because those, yes. are, those are the kind of guys you bring back to fill out the roster, mm-hmm. training Mon- camp, yep. and, then, and then you don't know. Mm-hmm. But but like, like I said, you've got to lock up Pittman, and still, then you've got to find, I think, a number two. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think either one of these guys are twos, downs, or, or Pierce. Whether that's – I would prefer a veteran guy, 25, 26 years old, as opposed to another young guy because – like you mentioned, they've got two young guys they're trying to develop now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the free agent wide receivers, we mentioned Mike Evans. We've mentioned uh, Calvin Ridley, Gabe Davis, uh, T. Higgins. Um, who else have we mentioned here? I think those are maybe the only ones we mentioned from this list. But there's a good slew of other players here who will be free agents. Marquise Brown from the Cardinals. Uh, Darnell Mooney from the Bears. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, from the Ravens. Tyler Boyd from the Bengals, Curtis Samuel from the Commanders, Kendrick Bourne from the Patriots, DJ Chark from the Panthers. I like DJ Chark. Michael Thomas from the Saints, who uh, is he? Is, is he still the NFL single season uh, receptions? Yeah, he, he, I mean, he had injuries and cost him like two years. Yeah, the last couple years, uh, Michael Thomas has been unfortunately uh, banged up. Josh Reynolds from the Lions, who had a couple of uh, unfortunate drops himself in that lost to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Former IU standout Nick Westbrook-Akine with the Titans, uh, K.J. Osborne for the Vikings, Noah Brown for the Texans. Again, these are players that are fine players. You know, they're good players. They're they're not incredibly productive players. Uh, So if you're looking for someone to be a reliable, productive number two, how many of them are there? Well, there may be a few, or there can be a number one, like a Mike Evans, T. Higgins. That's why we talked about those guys at the beginning. And uh, Calvin Ridley, perhaps. But after that, uh, there's a whole lot of contributors. There's not a whole lot of difference makers in that list. And that goes to your point, Chad, that difference makers typically get locked up by their teams. Right. Yeah. And, but, but again, they do they, – one of these guys, one of these type of guys needs to be on this team because, again, so much, at least next year, even moving forward, you got to give the quarterback a, a good supporting cast of skilled players or you're simply wasting his early years. You're wasting his rookie contract, which it, it is a – Huge bonus. You know, in a couple of years, you're going to have to pay, uh, I'm going to write about him later in the week, Bernard Ryman. He's your left tackle. They're expensive. <laughs> and if what? You get it, really? I know. I know. Because we've seen the other end. So uh, you've always got to – that's why it, 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 it's better to have that long-term deal because you can maneuver how, or massage how you want to do the years and all that. But, but – uh, They've got things, and again, they've got other. We've talked about other free agents they got to deal with, but you have got to get the quarterback with the right people around him, offensive line and skill set, 
and that's imperative this offseason. Well, a guy who's not around Anthony Richardson, but next to Anthony Richardson in the backfield would be Jonathan Taylor. We'll spend the last couple minutes of this Colts Blue Zone podcast focusing on the running backs. And it's good that Jonathan Taylor is now here. Like, we don't have to speculate anymore. We don't have to uh, have binoculars focused on Jim Ursay's trailer anymore to see who's going in and out and how long they're staying in and massive discussions and uh, analysis about Jonathan Taylor's body language on the side of the field during a Colts training or holding in and all that stuff right where's where is he is he here is he elsewhere it, it doesn't matter he's he's here sometimes they, we didn't know because they wouldn't tell exactly. us exactly he's a cult he's been paid and it's not often in the nfl that running backs get decent contracts and he did get a good contract mike last year from the colts there is obvious there's an obvious uh point by the colts front office and coaching staff to somewhat build an offense with Jonathan Taylor at or near the center of it. If you can add a dynamic receiver on the outside, you'd certainly want to do so. But there's going to be a lot, no matter who is playing wide receiver for the Colts next year, a lot of the offense they want to design around a dynamic running game with Taylor and, of course, Anthony Richardson as well. And, you know, you can argue both ways how, you know, his his on the downside paying guy is he, he had the greatest season by a Colts running back ever. And this franchise has had, you know, Edgerin and Falk and Dickerson, and they didn't make the playoffs. And he rushes for 188 against Houston, and they lose. Well, that, you know, I would argue more than you would about the quarterback play long-term in the season, and certainly the quarter. What, what would Taylor, what would his impact have been against Houston had they gotten even even moderate quarterback play? So that's, but no, that's, what was it, three years, 42 million? So they, they made the commitment to him. And, and that starts next year. It wasn't right, this past year, right, year one. No, the right. next year is the first of that three. So it showed you their commitment. And, and again, we can't harp on enough. He and Richardson played one play together. Mm-hmm. One. And, and that's you look back at that year, all they did, and they only had their guys together for that one play. But, again, to add – Pittman to keep long term. Remember, Pittman is it's crazy. People forget Pittman was taken in the draft before Taylor. Yes, he was two two or three picks before. I think him. it was seven. It was thirty four and forty one. I oh, think really? it was. was that much. I didn't. Yeah, know I think I think it was. Think it was that much. Maybe, maybe no. I think because I've used it. I think it's seven right. spots. Okay. But remember, they went into that year said we need to get more explosive players. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Ballard said this year as well. We need explosive players. And I don't know if I consider Pittman an explosive player. I mm-hmm. don't know. I think he was mentioning we need to add explosive players uh, to the roster. So right. Uh, but it just it just makes you wonder. And, and I'm watching all these playoff games, and I see the impact of that of that mobile quarterback who who the defense wins. They win the play. They win the play, and then he blows the defense away with something he does that other guys can't do. And to have Taylor, to have Richardson running the RPO with Taylor is not even comparable to Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. running it because, you know, Richardson can really do some damage. So they value t- Taylor. You just hope you get, I don't know, 14 games out of him, yeah. out of a running back. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I always thought back when this was still a thing and maybe the Colts were going to trade Jonathan Taylor that the Ravens were the obvious choice to send him. And, and I thought that in the AFC Championship game, that was evident. Like, for, for so long, Lamar Jackson carried them and did so much just by himself and found plays down the field. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs really limited 
what he could do down the field with the weapons that they have. And they, to their credit, also kept him in the box. What do you, what do you need to do if they're, if they're shutting all that? You need a run game. You need to loosen them up somehow. Much. And they did not they run did the not ball at much. All. And they, like, that's what they were this entire year. The Ravens were a running back away. You could tell the entire year that if Lamar just keeps going off and going off, there's nothing anybody's going to do. But if there's a team that can limit him, well, then after that, what are they? And so they were, they, were, they were dynamic, but they were not multiple. So that's why, again, I thought you can go back and listen to this podcast at the time that that was the logical place if a team wanted Jonathan Taylor badly to take him. And the Ravens were in condition to do so. Obviously, they were one step away from the Super Bowl. Obviously, they didn't think at the time that he was the difference. I think he might have been that or, difference. Or they weren't willing to pay what it was going to cost, exactly. e- either compensation-wise or you know, three years, 40, because you weren't right. going to trade him. You weren't going to get him on a trade unless you were going to extend him. Right. So you, they had to do both. Very possible. Again, very possible. I just thought it was that was the one thing that would have put them over the edge and turned out they didn't get over the edge. So I need to toot my own horn a little bit here and there when, when it seems like I could be right, because there are many times when you guys both think that I'm wrong about certain other things uh, when it comes to... Just 27 uh, Exactly. Uh, and that, that's the only other thing that I'm... Everything else I'm, I'm right about it all the time. But uh, if we look past Jonathan Taylor for the Colts, Zach Moss is going to be a free agent this offseason. He actually led the Colts in yardage, had 50 more yards than Jonathan Taylor did this year, had five touchdowns himself, 27 catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns. Does Zach Moss have a long-term spot on the Colts as Jonathan Taylor's number two chap? I don't think so because I think he's going to get more. He'll... he'll I know he's going to want more. I can't remember what his contract was this year. $3 million. Well, no, it was, the end, it was the end of his contract from the trade. Right. So I, I think he, he showed in his mind that he can get more, but it's such a bad market. Yep. Especially for for backups or fringe starters. And, I, again, I think they maybe they're bringing him back for – if they can get him for $2 million, which I don't think they can, $3 million. But would they take a guy uh, – Mid round, running back mid round, maybe. Uh, again, I with Taylor, I would I, I wouldn't mind a fourth or fifth round pick that you thought some mock draft had. Maybe it was somebody's uh, the Michigan running back, uh, Corum Blake Corum. Oh, Blake right. Corum. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure how high you have to get to get him. Uh, th- there will be. I think there'll be a different backup. I, I just think Zach Moss believes he can get more and probably can get more from somebody else. Yeah, I think that's that's the problem with Zach Moss staying here. He knows that everything that we just said, that Jonathan Taylor is the guy they're he going around. He won't get 770 yards this year. That, no, that he's the explosive year. one, that he's right. the guy that they, they want more explosive players. Well, Jonathan Taylor is an explosive player, for crying out loud. He's, they want him on the field. So at best, Moss is going to get – I don't know, one quarter of the running back touches here next year, maybe 30%. Five or 30%. six carries a game, I don't know. Yeah, I, and at, maybe that's low, but I don't know. But but elsewhere, he will get significantly more. And if you're a running back, you need to be on the field. You need to be productive because that's what you need to show teams that you're valuable. And if you want more contracts, running backs might only get two-year contracts right now. If you want to get two more contracts in your career, you can't afford to spend a year getting 25 30% of a team's running back touches. You need to go out there and replace where you know you're going to get at least 45, 40, 45. The try career is one. shorter. So exactly. you have to cash in while you can. So if I if we see Zach Moss back with the Colts next year, I'd be very surprised. According to SpotRack, his uh base salary was 1.1 1. 1 million. Okay. For, for Which the was the last year of his rookie of right. his rookie contract. Right. 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 Okay. So He'd want to definitely cash in more than that. After those two players, uh, Moss and Taylor, we had Trey Sermon, Tyler Goodson, Jake Fuzz.
Funk, Evan Hall all getting at least one carry. Um, and also on the roster, Xavier Scott, who is uh, on, on injured reserve, I think, pretty early in the year. Out of all those players, Sermon had a pretty solid game or two here and there and filling in. Uh, not a number one back by any stretch, but a fill-in here and there. Averaged 4.6 yards per carry. Tyler Goodson had really a very good year in terms of when he was on the field. 13 carries, 87 yards, averaged 6.7 yards per catch. Had six catches for nine yards, but... Well, course, she had seven for 11. Exactly. It was just the one that uh, was... You can argue not the best pass. You can argue should have been caught. I, I don't think we need to rehash that now. We've done plenty of that over the past uh, over the past podcasts. But but both of those guys showed some production in limited roles. You could argue that either one of them or both of them uh, could could be signed on to to be part of the Colts backfield in the future. I would be eager to see what Evan Hall can do because he was the guy who was drafted last year. He was, the, I believe, was a fifth was round it a pick. Knee? Was it a knee? I yes, saw him in was, the locker room a lot. Yeah, it was early in the year, and it was either a knee or a foot or a lower leg or something. And I, th- he, I thought it was a knee. Yeah, and and he was, again, a really athletic guy, as the Colts always draft athletic guys, and we'll definitely talk about that more as we get into our, uh, our draft preview shows. But Hall was a very good pass catcher at Northwestern, and if you're looking for a guy to fill in that pass catching role, because it's not Jonathan Taylor's strength, he can catch the ball, no doubt, but if you're looking for the Naheem Hines, if you're looking for a lightning to the thunder, That's maybe what Evan, this guy might Evan be. Hall is that guy so you need to get him on the field and see if he can play a little bit again another guy that would take carries away from Zach Moss because you want to get Evan Hall on the field you want to see what you got I promise the Colts want to see so so he would be a potential to be on the roster next year after that guys that you might want to bring back it depends on the price depends on what other offers they get and exactly how you want to fill out your roster chap I believe moving forward that's and that's I don't mean to diminish it but that's down the list of priorities you know they'll fill out the running back room but but again I'd be more inclined to think they'll they'll take a mid to a late round pick on a running back as opposed to getting one in early free agency because you're not they're not going to pay for a backup running back. No. You know? Or or uh, if they don't draft somebody late, they are very very good at unearthing an undrafted free agent from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jonathan Taylor, uh, Trey Sermon, Evan Hall, and then a draft pick. And then, and then, yeah, if I, those I, are your I, four. That makes a lot of sense. And then after that, unrestricted free or not restri- unrestricted, undrafted rookies, like right. you said, like if it looks something like that next year, that would be that would make Th- a that whole makes lot of a, sense. Lo- a lot of sense for the Colts. Exactly. If you're gonna, in, you're not gonna invest much more in the running back room because you just invested no, you, you a ton just, in Jonathan you just Taylor. Gave over the mother load to, right. to, to Taylor. Yeah. So. so that's what wide receivers and running backs look like. Uh, over the course of the future, we have certainly plenty to talk about for the rest of this Colts uh, roster. We have offensive line, tight ends, secondary, defensive line, linebackers, special teams uh, to kind of break down where the Colts go from here. Uh, Super Bowl's coming up. Of course, the uh, the final Pro Football Hall of Fame vote will be announced uh, over the coming weeks as well at the NFL Honor Ceremony next week. Uh, we are talking about pushing back our Colts Blue Zone podcast next week so we can chat about those results uh, after they happen on next Thursday night. So if you don't if you don't see us on Wednesday or Thursday, don't worry, we're coming. It might be next Friday after the after that announcement is made. And, and all I'll say because I'm sworn to secrecy is we wouldn't push it back unless there was a reason to push it back. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are two indeed Colts who are up for that uh, that's that vote, uh, which are of course Reggie Wayne and uh, Syracuse's own Dwight Freeney. I got it in just before uh, just before. Man, we I thought we were going to get through no, this podcast without that. No, you Never. can't do it. I even mentioned Zaire Franklin earlier in the podcast. You want, didn't you want say to mention? It it no, I don't need to. That goes without saying. Mention, mention on. one more name, would you please? 
Carson Wentz. There you go. Okay, and now we can finally we close can. out this Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow and you, us, and you feel better, don't you? I feel a lot better. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for uh, for news and notes uh, throughout the week and uh, tidbits that we'll certainly get into more discussion here uh, when we're uh, in front of the microphone. Mike Chapel is at mchapel51. You can read all his work online at fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Matt Adams is at Statomatty. I'm at Dave G underscore Sports. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.